Hello, and welcome to the Nashville Sounding Board, the new podcast dedicated to discussing social and political issues in the Nashville community. I'm your host, Benjamin Eagles. So on episode four of the Nashville Sounding Board series with the mayoral candidates, I'm sitting down with Councilwoman Erica Gilmore. Gilmore is a two-term representative at the district level and was elected in 2015 as one of the five council members at large. As well as being a lifelong Nashvillian and daughter of Brenda Gilmore, state representative, uh, Erica Gilmore is an administrator at Tennessee State University. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. What is one important thing about your background that voters might not know? So I shared once that I was a track runner. So I think another piece to to share with, with the voters is um, perhaps I'm just like them. A lot of people think uh, just because you become involved in politics that you're someone uh, different. I became involved in politics because I wanted to make an overall difference. Uh, single parent, uh, pretty much middle uh, to uh, lower class, um, understand the issues and the importance of having a child uh, attend a school with where there's a great education. My daughter just graduated this Saturday. She graduated from Martin Luther King High School. And I remember at the time of moving off of Jefferson Street, I often share the story of my uh, grandmother. Uh, we moved there about Oh, God, it's been a long time. We moved there in 2003, and I was really excited. I was in my 20s then. And, uh, you know, I tell my grandmother, I said, oh, Grandma, look at this wonderful place I have. And she looked around, and she said, Oh, my God, you have moved into a ghetto. And she started crying. And I was like, Okay, that is not the reaction uh, that I wanted there. But the the point is, I moved into the area because my daughter would have a really good education. the The zoning for that area was really good, considering the property value. So, I, I want everyone to know: uh, for most of my life, I've worked two or three jobs, and I believe uh, that Nashvilleians should have the opportunity to survive and and thrive. and And uh, it should be a place like it was many years ago, where you could come, and the cost of living was relatively low. It was a great place to raise a family. And you could do well if you just put a little bit of effort forward. And you mentioned that you were a track runner. This particular special election is a sprint. Were you a sprinter? Did it prepare you for this? I was a middle distance runner. So I ran 100, the 200, and the 400. And so I had this wonderful coach. I ran, actually, I guess I was the fastest kid in the United States. Actually, I won, I won the Hershey, Hershey's uh, Relay. For the fifty-yard dash, when I was wow. when I was twelve, but I ran from the time I was like eight up until the time I was seventeen, and I always reflect on my coach, who I can hear saying, "Run the curve." He says, "Run the curve, Gilmore." He since passed away, and I think that's a good le- uh, life uh, lesson to to run the curve, run hard, don't look back. He would always say, "They're coming for you. You don't have to look back," and you could hear the clicks of the cleats and the people breathing behind you. You could just hear the. <gasps> You can hear the clips going. And so it's like this race. So I'm just looking straight ahead, not concerned about anyone else at this point. Um, just running my race. That's fantastic. Well, to start out, let's talk a little bit about transit. At the beginning, you were a co-sponsor to get the referendum on the ballot. And then you even set in on a forum representing the pro-transit side. As the vote neared, though, you turned and became 
a critic of many parts of the transit plan. Can you walk us through your evolution on that topic and sure. why you ended up being sure. sort of against it? Yeah, so I, I even went to uh, Seattle. I had some reservations then, but I thought the um, plan, I did think it was great. But as I began to go out and I talked to more people across the city, I realized that we had left our middle and working class behind and that they were truly suffering and that the boom that we see in the city, a lot of people are not realizing. And I think you see it uh, in the downtown area. But once you get outside the urban core, you realize that a lot of Nashvilleians are being uh, left behind. And they share um, their thoughts and ideas and about the inequities in the plan. And we know that everyone won't get everything in the plan, but we do want it to be more equitable. And a lot of Nashvilleians have been left behind. So after the scandal that ended Mayor Barry's tenure and the resounding defeat of the transit plan, I've heard a lot of observers mention that there's a crisis of trust within Nashville and in terms of citizens' trust in our government. As part of the city government and someone who's running for mayor, do you agree with that sense? And, and what do you think can be done to turn it around if that's indeed true? Yeah, so I think it's a couple of things we have to unpack. One is um, there, there may be a perception. I can see how one could perceive that. There's a couple of things, but I think it's 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 people. It's not the government. So I would say that there are certain actors, perhaps, just like in anything else. You have them in corporations, you have them in churches, you have them in schools, and you have them in universities. So it's just kind of rooting that out, but it's not the overall government, uh, because the government is held accountable to the people. So it's a process where we interact with one another. And as long as the people stay engaged and the people that have been elected to represent the people stay engaged and honest and put processes in place, which I think we could put more processes in place uh, for there to be more accountability and transparency, which is a part of my platform. So I totally get that. I do feel like I have been a very uh, honest person and have gone without a, a scandal, have a passion for the people. And I know when people put their faith in you, whether they you knock on the door and you ask them for a dollar or $100 or they you ask for their vote, uh, especially during this, I'm talking about this campaign election, it means a lot. So I, I understand that. And I think the last 11 years have shown that I've gone without a scandal or mistrust. Now, people may not like my positions at times, but I've always, I'm never hidden behind it, said, okay, yeah, this is why I made this decision or why I made the choice. Even like with the transit, I came out and I shared. And so I do think that there there is maybe um, a um, a perception there but I think as a as a woman and as a um, a person uh, that is just the everyday working place, a person, I, I understand that. I understand how there can be a distrust, but I, I'm here for the people and to advocate and restore that trust uh, in the role I was would run for um, and hopefully win as mayor. One of the issues that has gotten a lot of scrutiny just recently has been the incentives that Metro government gives to entice employers to move to Nashville, uh, various business and uh, development incentives. And you've kind of joined the chorus for more scrutiny there. Can you sort of walk us through your your thought process? Definitely. I can uh, definitely do that. So I know there was one piece where uh, when I was a 19th district council person, there was this uh, UDAC grant and I signed the legislation that for that for uh, HCA, which is now Paraline. And at the time, when I signed that legislation, I still believe it was a good thing because it was nothing there. It was, I mean, it was an absolute hole. Matter of fact, uh, to be more specific, at the time there was a, um, 
like a girly bar. So it was like a strip club there. And the strip club was actually in a church. So that was the only thing that was really uh, there at the time. So we provided those incentives, which created jobs. And now if you look at that northern part of the Gulch, there's lots of jobs, which provides lots of opportunities for uh, lots of different types of workers. But the point is... um, as it went on, there may have been some concerns or questions about some of the purchases that HCA made. But as a legislator, I had signed that in just for the grant p- portion. So from looking at that, um, MDHA was the oversight body, body from that. And what I realized is what we needed to have was reasonable and necessary uh, purchases as our standard. And I think some of those uh, things could help with the the clarity and the transparency. So in other words, what is considered to be reasonable? What is considered to be necessary? And just creating processes like that uh, in place um, to, to make it more transparent and, and also uploading documents where people don't have to find them or request them, but it's already up on the website. And myself and council member Mendez also did some reform as it relates to t- um, tax incrementing, um, tax increment financing as well. So, it's something that's been going on in a while, and it's, it's evolutionary. So as you begin to find uh, issues or concerns, the point is that you um, see those, identify them, and do you, do your best to see how you can be a part of the solution. So you mentioned the HCA incentive deal that you would still vote for if that came up again uh, because of the job creation. Are there specific examples of incentives that you would not vote for again if they were to come up? If you could kind of redo a particular um, vote. So I, th- I think the the biggest thing is, um, and even during that time, I wanted it to happen, but you have to have the political will. And I think that's something I can do as mayor that I did not have the opportunity, even though I had the political will, did not have, we have a strong mayor's form of government. So any type of incentive we did, I would definitely do a community benefits agreement with it. I actually tried to sponsor legislation when I was the 19th district, and it was just very uh, difficult when the administration does not support that. So as a mayor, that is something that I would do. And if uh, persons are asking what are community benefit agreements, there are opportunities for people in the community to say th- these are identify resources that they don't have. And as a result of that particular business coming to the community, that those particular groups of people in that community are able to get those resources that they need, even though they may not be direct beneficiaries of the project. So spoken in those terms, a uh, community benefits agreement sounds pretty palatable. Why have we seen resistance to community benefit agreements? And would you push for one, for instance, on the soccer stadium deal? Uh, Definitely. I would do that. And also myself and council member, uh, Anthony Davis have all already con- um, we co-sponsored a bill together that provided that we have a scorecard for corporations that come in. They have to tell us where they what the hiring practices are, um, where they hired the people, how long they stayed on. So we did pass a form of that in general, just that required more accountability. But yes, I would um, would love to do that with the soccer stadium. But once again, we have a strong mayor's form of government. So. A lot of times if the mayor's office doesn't support it, it's hard for council members to get that passed and include it. As a quick note, if you're enjoying the Nashville Sounding Board, please leave a review or a rating on the Apple Podcasts app or your app of choice. So moving on to the current budget situation, we have a $34 million revenue shortfall, largely blamed on 
the appeals of commercial property tax assessments by large, large uh, commercial entities. In concrete terms, how would you write the financial ship that we find ourselves in? And would you support raising property taxes from their current all-time low level? So we haven't, traditionally, we normally raise the property taxes when we do the budget. So I have had the good fortune of being elected uh, several times. And during that time, we have not done it in this these last couple of cycles under these mayors um, that we've had. And we, we really needed to uh, do it. So excuse me there. So I would want to see what we would raise the, the, the adjustment rate would be in order for what we get. So if we could not find it in other areas, uh, the monies for the budget, I would be open to it, but I would definitely have to see because we, we would need to know what the adjustment rate would be. And for that, would it close them out for the cost of living adjustment? Would it close the gap for our schools or would it just be for our schools? Well, I think Councilman Mendez and a few others recently announced a proposal, I believe at the end of last week, to raise property taxes by $0.50 cents per $1,000 mm-hmm. of assessed value. Would you support that proposal? If I saw what was um, all funded, I need to see what's, what was all funded. I know he did propose that, and I had actually inquired myself, so sometimes it's just who gets to it first, but I do want to know what all that covers. Sure. Mm-hmm. And in terms of what that money would cover, one it, one thing that has been cut from the budget are cost of living adjustments for Metro employees. Would you have made that same decision to kind of cut that to make up for the revenue shortfall? I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I, I believe that it's definitely, definitely cyclical. And so, in other words, what I'm saying, in order for our, our employees to stay here, they need to have a decent wage and those cost of living adjustments provide that. So if they don't get the cost of living adjustments, it makes it very difficult for them to stay in the city. And it also provides more revenue to our city because they're able to stay in the cities. A lot of uh, the employees have shared with me, or not a lot, but a couple that I've talked to that are firemen and police officers that they're really ready to move out because it's very expensive for them to stay in the city. So that's something that I definitely uh, support having a cost of living adjustment. So the Service Employees uh, International Union, SEIU, recently came out and essentially co-endorsed Representative Harold Love, Mayor David Bradley, and yourself. How would you be different and better than those two uh, different alternatives? Well, I I will have to tell you, I am just really thankful for every uh, endorsement that I receive because I understand the political pressures. Um, there's there's lots of pressures on, on everyone at this point, especially being such a short time. So I am very grateful to the um, to SEIU and them really being appreciative of the work that I've done with them. Um, so I think some of the differences are I have supported the community benefits uh, agreement, as I shared. Uh, many years ago, I tried to bring it forth and it just did not work out at that time. I'm I'm very much um have a heart for the people that are everyday workers. And so a lot of times I've worked with the unions in the past, whether we talk about minority contracting or workers' rights. Those are things that I've gone on the record for. And I don't know that um Vice Mayor Briley at the time had the opportunity to do that. So I would say that's the difference, right? So I've been on a I have a, a track record for fighting for the middle class and the working class. And I believe that unions definitely have that place. And I really appreciate them because 
I've done a lot of work with a lot of different organizations. And so I appreciate the union saying, hey, you have supported our ideas. You've worked really hard to make that happen. And in, in, in return, we'll support you because a lot of people just don't have the guts to do it right now. Mm-hmm. One question that I've been asking uh, the other candidates I've had the opportunity to speak with is, would you support the formation of a community oversight board to investigate community allegations of police misconduct? So once again, it, it kind of speaks to, I think that's a difference, right? So at the time, Vice Mayor Browley was um, the um you know, the officiator of our meetings or the conductor of our meetings. So I was on record. I was only two of 40. I I, I voted for that bill. It did not pass. Uh, It was myself and Scott Davis. And I think it was one other person. So it may have been three out of 40. So it's something I definitely uh, support. These are a lot of things that I support. I definitely believe that there need to be more opportunities for citizens to be engaged. I've been a longtime supporter of that, a supporter of Ban the Box, and many things that we consider to be progressive to keep people engaged that otherwise would be uh, left out of the system. So I've already gone on record for that and would definitely support it, supported the uh, cameras um, for the policing, was on that committee. And so once again, working with the unions, working with the committee uh, communities is definitely something that, that I believe in that has to be done. When you mentioned your evolution on the transit issue, you cited sort of the, the citizens around Nashville who've been left behind as the rest of the city prospers. One issue where that's really profound is in housing and kind of our affordability crisis. Can you speak a little bit about your plans for affordable housing and workforce housing and the need for both of those things? Definitely. So I think you're right. Um, It's really interesting. Once again, when I came through and purchased my house off of Jefferson Street, it was a different time. So it was the um, pre-2007, before the crash, and... um, mortgage companies were doing all kind of fancy derivatives. I tell people, I don't even think I had to sign a paper to get my house. I know it sounds crazy. I think I, maybe I may just put some initials down and that was it. I mean, it's just, it was a much different time. I guess that's, now you need a lot of paperwork. You have to have 20% down. So I understand that. And so when I, when I talk to people in East Nashville and I realize they are young working professionals and they're living forward to a house or you talk to a professor at Tennessee State University who can't qualify for a house because this is post-2007. I get it. So some of the plans that I, I have for that is that we work with, we have some really wonderful experts that we have not been working with as a city. So in other words, the office of um, affordable housing that we have within the mayor's office, really we need to work with the experts here. And those are the ones in our nonprofit sector. So that was the first thing that I would encourage. And the second is come up with an affordable housing plan. That is how many un- units we pl- plan to take offline each year. And they've shared with me preservation of housing is way more important than creating new housing stock. And so the the third and fourth piece is to create a fund. We need a dedicated fund. And so some type of enterprise fund that could go into affordable housing, uh, double the density for those persons that specialize in affordable housing, and then streamline the process. So when they go to codes, they have their own little line that they can go to and a person that works with them in codes. And we wrap all of those things up that they would have to go normally to different places for. So in other words, when they need their... um, 
that their, their permit, what they need to do with water as it relates to infrastructure, anything that they need, they wouldn't have to run around to five different places. And they share with me that this would extremely cut the cost in time and they, they could pass it on uh, to the persons that are in need of affordable housing. Would the dedicated fund that you mentioned, would that be in addition to the Barnes Affordable That's Housing correct. Fund? It would be in addition to the um, current um, dedicated funding source, which we have is the STRP, which is the short-term rental, which is very uh, controversial, and it's just a small part of it. So, yes, it would be a different type of fund of, of sorts, yeah. Okay. And as for transit, when you announced that you would not be voting for the the transit plan, what do you have in mind for a replacement plan? So I think we need to to, to ramp up our bus rapid transit. I think that's a good one. And also, if we want to do one leg of light rail, we can start from downtown and go um, all the way to the airport. And I think really talking to our other partners as well and seeing, and when I say our other partners, our surrounding counties that are, are are at the edge, seeing what we can all do together. I think people, citizens really want to hear that. They weren't convinced. You know, some were said that if, okay, if Nashville goes first and everybody else would jump in and they wanted to see what other counties were going to do with um, us as well. So I think definitely getting something um, in place where we can all work together on that part. Moving into education, Schools Director Dr. Joseph has come under a lot of scrutiny recently. What do you think about the performance of, of our metro schools, and what would be your, your plans when it comes to education? Well, in terms of numbers, Dr. Joseph has done a wonderful job. Like, if people just look at his record, um, I think this year was the first year that uh, Nashville made national gains, and they made the largest amount of improvements compared to any other school system. A lot of people don't know that because I, I think there's so much other noise going on. Additionally, the elementary kids, students have made significant gains in reading, which is very important because we know if you cannot read by the time you're in the third grade, you're more likely to drop out of school or end up in jail. They actually uh, create the number of uh, jail cells based off the number of kids that cannot read by the third grade. And employers are interested in this as well, and nonprofits around the city have helped with that initiative. So I think what we really just need is... I think he's doing a wonderful job. We really just need to do a a, play, a pay plan for our teachers. And it's not for the ones that are at the beginnings of, of their careers, but it's the teachers that have been there a little bit longer and make sure that they get paid what they are due. So would that address the teacher shortage, though? Because one might say the pay at the beginning of a teacher's career might be more important if we're trying to recruit new talent into the district. So it's competitive. Um, our our teacher salaries for beginning uh, teachers at the beginning of their career, they're competitive with the rest of the nation. Those those salaries are competitive. We did those um, maybe, we did those, um, I would say like six years ago under the Dean administration and we made them very competitive. So it's no issue with that. I mean, you can actually check it. We are competing with the rest. It's the, it's the step increases that are the issues. Those are the ones that are of concern. Once you've been in the system for a while and then you don't realize um, any gains. So recognizing that this term is particularly short, it's just a one-year term before um, whoever wins would have to w- run for re-election, what would you do from day one? What is your kind of 100-day plan, and what are your top priorities? I'm so glad you asked. So definitely dealing with um, transparency, 
affordable housing. I would pull our affordable housing advocates together very quickly. And we would sit down and we would come up with that plan. And we would we have like a, a shortage of 20,000 units. We come together, we deal that plan, and we would have a plan to cut that down in a year. And we would streamline that process for them in codes so that we can get some of that done right away. The second piece is I would definitely look at our uh, public safety. That's very important uh, as well. And just talking with the chief, talking about the policies, the concerns that have been brought forth. I think we need to do some work uh, there as well. Um, We also would want to meet with, um, as it relates to crime, we have some wonderful nonprofits uh, that have already offered up themselves as resources. And we have a lot of people don't recognize that we actually have a youth violence um, prevention section in our health department. So really kind of ramping that up, putting resources around that, and plotting those areas where we have the highest violence and tackling that. So it would be affordable housing, uh, talking with the chief police, and also working with our advocates out there. In addition to that, um, looking at the executive office, there are some areas that we need, some people we need to identify where we can restore the trust. And I think by um, bringing some others in and asking um, some others to leave, I think that that would probably bring more transparency and accountability uh, to us as well. And also meeting with Dr. Joseph, working with uh, the unions, as well as our school board to come up with a plan of how that looks to so we can increase incrementally the school's budget, which is, you know, by law, I don't I don't know that a lot of people know we always have to fund it at the same level, but we can never cut it. But coming together and saying, how does this look over the next couple of years? How do we fund this? And also meeting uh, with uh, Steve Bland at the MTA and talk about transit. And I believe we could get all those things done really quickly. And then identifying, we have some wonderful movers and shakers to take hold of some of these initiatives that they are passionate about and holding town halls with us on that or kitchen, kitchen cabinets and um, really implementing that. And also I want to implement which is kind of lower hanging fruit IDs. I think we need city identifications. It kind of fell off. I think it would help homeless people. I think it would help young people and it would definitely help senior citizens. Great. Mm -hmm. And are there issues that we haven't touched on today that you want to make sure voters know your stance on? Um, So I think we talked about the affordability, um, transparency and accountability. We talked about that and um, implementing initiatives as it, uh, relates to that. Um, and definitely I would, I would pull in someone for my first 100 days for the unions from the unions. So that piece is very important. I think, um, that you people in the unions that have been working on, like we talked about CBAs, minority participation, that piece is very important. And I know that the, um, current intramayor has appointed someone, but we're talking about people that have actually experienced, the difficulties of doing a business with the government. And so taking those recommendations and once again, just streamlining that process so we can increase that participation. I also want to hear from more women. You know, women make over um, 50% of the population. And I think they have issues and concerns, whether it is childcare, how we can make that better. um, And just the work environment in which they uh, operate every day. And so I would like to have that as well. And I think that that would definitely uh, improve our city, given the, the the feedback, considering that the, the backbones of kind of, of our, of our family structure. 
Well, I'd like to invite you now to give kind of a closing pitch uh, for voters as to why they should vote for Erica Gilmore as opposed to one of the other 12 candidates running for mayor. Definitely. So thank you for that. Um, I would like to say that a lot of times um, people play it down as career politician, but I actually started from um, the bottom. I started as a district council person and I started because I wanted to make a difference. I lived off of Jefferson Street and during that time there was a lot of seedy activity uh, going on. No one actually asked me to run for office. It was that I saw a need. I saw a concern and no one stepped up. So I stepped up uh, to do that. And then I served faithfully and honorably uh, working with those constituents to make it better. We walked the neighborhoods. We got the houses boarded up. We got development into the area. We did the historic overlays to preserve the neighborhood. So that's what I did. And uh, during that time, I really enjoyed it. So I ran again and I ran for at large. And during that time, I was able to take care of some more global issues that I was not able to take care of as a district council person, because it's a little bit different work. Um, district, you do a lot of zoning. There's a lot of community meetings. Uh, there's a lot of fix the, the streets, make sure our lights are on, that type of thing. And and I just love serving. And so as I began to travel during this uh, mayoral election, I realized that we have left some of our citizens behind. And I believe that I can really help us all have more equity, whether it's equity in infrastructure, across this great city, whether it's equity in education, each child, regardless of zip code, having the opportunity to participate, whether it is equity in our uh, metro government departments. A lot of people, once again, you know, the, the department heads are getting raises. They're, they're recognizing it, but the employees are not. And so I believe that I can make a difference. I have a heart for the people. I have the experience on how uh, government works. I'm a, a team builder, a team player, and believe that I can really make Nashville a great place for all people, regardless of where their particular stance is, their religion, their background, their gender. Uh, I have done a lot of work over the years, whether it was um, initiatives or legislation for the LGBTQ community. I just, just worked really hard on behalf of the citizens because I have a passion and a heart. And so I guarantee the people, if given the opportunity, they won't be disappointed. I appreciate every vote that they cast for me, every word of encouragement that they give me, and every dollar that they have given to my campaign. And I promise them that I would not forget about them. They won't regret it, but I would work very hard on behalf of the constituents of Nashville. And at the end of the day, they'll say, you know what? Our life is a little bit better because of Mayor Gilmore. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you. All right. Thank you, Ben.